Yes, it's recording. Okay, uh, some royalty-free theme music, and hello, and welcome to uh, Chatting About Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Chatting About Chucky with uh, Eric and Jeremy. Uh, my name is yeah. Eric Keppel. My name is Jeremy Schmidt. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Okay, until next time. <laughs> See you next time, suckers, as Chucky might say. <laughs> He would he would say bitch probably right <laughs> yeah he would say bitch put on some sunglasses uh he was very he's very nineties edgy dude um, that's that th- that's one of the things that I love about this franchise because I think it mostly does take place in the nineties I mean this first yeah. movie is in eighty eight but that's you know basically the nineties yeah we're pretty much the nineties already at that point. The 80s was just all cocaine and 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 it just it because it was all cocaine it only lasted for like 5 years. You yeah. I, mean? I I feel like a child's play is what happens is like America's hangover from the 80s. Oh, you think so? <laughs> it's yeah, that's my theory. Is this it's an it's an allegory for what happens when you do too much cocaine. How kind of how you feel. <laughs> yeah. So is is Chucky is Charles Lee Ray uh, the guy an anagram for cocaine? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Um. <laughs> yes, Charles Lee Ray. God, like most serial killers, he has that three name thing going for him. Dude, or I guess is, I don't mean serial killers. What is it? What's the three name thing? Like it's like the people who assassinate the presidents, right? Hmm. Lee Harvey they always have three name. Yeah, and then who killed Lincoln? Um, uh, uh, uh Booth, something. Yeah, Booth. Uh, yeah. William <laughs> William Powers Booth. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Lee Booth. Uh, yeah. The uh, no, wasn't the guy the guy who killed uh, John Lennon? I think was also a three namer. It was John Wilkes Booth, yeah, who shot Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. John Wilkes Booth. Um, I, I remember. I remember this was a big plot point in the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson. I have not seen that movie. Should okay, I? Okay, like obviously Mel Gibson is a bad guy, right? We don't. We we that goes without saying. Right in real life. Def in real life, definitely see this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> definitely go out and support this film with all of your money. Okay. I'll order the Blu-ray yeah, it's, tonight. It, it's actually really it's a it's really fun. It's got Julia Roberts in it, and the bad guy is uh, Captain uh, Picard. Oh, all right, Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, Sir, uh, Sir. No, I don't. I can't think of his name. Now. Yeah, I don't know. Never watched it. Don't ask me to recall Star Trek uh, cast until I've had my cup of coffee, Eric. Yeah, this isn't uh, chatting about Trek. No, this isn't chatting about Trek, our other show. Yeah, we, we should do that one just for us, though. <laughs> yeah. A show that I've never seen any of before. I don't. It, are you a Trek? Are you a Star Trek guy? No, um, but I think I'm. I think I'd like to be. There's a couple of. I have a couple of friends who are watching like different different series, different Star Trek series right now. Someone's watching Voyager, and. Uh, I don't know. They make it sound pretty good. I I just always thought it looked boring. It's it's one of those things like um, the Grateful Dead for me, where I I it, it looks so fun to be into it, 
but I yeah. just can't do it. Like I, I, I think I've tried and it just, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> it's almost, yeah. there's like too much of it. I think that, I think it's a little daunting. Yeah. You're kind of looking up at the monolith of, uh, back catalog and it's like nah i'm good thanks that's that's like 400 hours of of really boring old television right but hey yeah jeremy you -hmm. know what's not daunting (laughs) (laughs) the freaking child's play movies freaking child's play yeah uh I I just want I just want to throw out a little piece of trivia right up at the top of this yes. if you don't mind. Let's hear it. Um, the movie Child's Play uh, in nineteen ninety in nineteen eighty eight. Did you know the movie Child's Play was not called Chucky? Wait the the character? No, the movie Child's Play is the title of that movie is not Chucky. That was the original uh, <laughs> title. No, I, I guess I'm, I'm making a joke that like, I, I always thought this movie was called Chucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I, yeah. um, yeah, I, I totally get that. I've been calling this movie Chucky, uh, forever. <laughs> I think that's what yeah. everyone calls it. I, it's so weird that this movie is called Child's Play because what, what is, what is Child's Play referring to in this case? So, uh, here's the thing. I, I, I did a little research and I actually figured out kind of, uh, not the exact origin of the name, but I figured out, uh, or, or I learned about kind of the, uh, previous iterations of the name of the movie. Um, but I think first, before we dive into that stuff, we should probably explain, uh, who we are and what this is. Oh, good point. Um, Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm so used to podcasting, uh, that I forget, I forget how to like, yeah, I'm, I'm always doing shows that I've done for a long time. So I forget that like, oh yeah, we can't just jump in. This is a supposedly a child's play podcast, but we've done nothing but talk about Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, okay, Eric, why don't you go ahead and tell me who you are and then I'll tell you who I am. Yeah, so I'm Eric Keppel. I'm a, a writer, I guess, is how I would classify myself. Uh, have a little bit of a history with uh, sketch comedy and improv. <laughs> um, yeah. Right now I'm a located checker, a in... A checkered past. A, che- a real checkered past. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, and now I'm located in Denver, Colorado. Uh, that's pretty much uh, how I'd summarize myself, I guess. A guy who used to do improv and doesn't anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah an old yeah an old improv dog yeah a vet Uh, a vet yeah someone who was really in the trenches yeah a vet who just like like embarrassingly embarrassingly like on the first day of duty like stubbed his toe too hard or something (laughs) and just like faked faked a, a bad injury to get out of it yeah, you you were you were released on on an honorable discharge, but like barely. Like they didn't want to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what about well, you? Well, my name is my name is Jeremy Schmidt. I am a Los Angeles based writer, comedian. I still do sketch comedy and improv, uh, nice. I guess. Uh, but but yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much that's pretty much who I am. I uh, I write at the UCB Theater, of which Eric was a, an alum. <laughs> Yeah, I guess an alum. 
Yeah, I would. Are call you, you an, an alum? alum? Are you still an alum if the institution doesn't like you anymore? <laughs> I think so, because I, I mean, I I doubt my old college likes me, but I definitely graduated from there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I I did. Me and Eric, uh, we never did this at the same time, but we write for, uh, we wrote for a, uh, the ha- house house teams, like two uh, sketch comedy house teams at UCB, which is basically like. For people who don't know, it's a UCB is like a theater in Los Angeles that was started by Amy Poehler and and company, and uh, and they have and and they're like a lot of people go to those shows and they'll watch like improv teams do improvised comedy and they'll watch sketch teams do written like SNL type comedy. That's what me and Eric did. I still do it. Eric used to do it. Exactly. So uh, clearly, two men who uh, have who are uh, uh, totally capable of talking about uh, all of the child's play <laughs> movies in yeah. depth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We speak with almost no authority on anything. <laughs> oh man. You know, what's great though, is I, I looked into if there's any other child's play podcasts and there are not. That is, that is great. I, I've literally never had a podcast start that where it wasn't, there wasn't already a podcast out there doing it way better. Like, <laughs> I, I started a podcast with my friend Dana Bell, a quick plug. It's called Crushin' with Dana and Jeremy. And uh, it was originally called The Crush Cast. But then after we launched the show, we had to rename it Crushin' because we figured out there was already a show called Crush Cast <laughs> oh, that God. started like a year before. And it's about the exact same thing. It's just two people talking about their crushes. <laughs> So we were we were definitely like two dogs, like with our tails between our legs for about a week. But then we were just like, who cares? We're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do yeah. like crushing a little bit better. Yeah, the, the I definitely like the name better. It forced us to come up with a better name. But uh, but yeah, we just didn't know. We did no research before just launching this show. <laughs> yeah, always good to do a little bit of research. Um. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So this podcast is basically uh, going to be, uh, um, we might do some other episodes uh, not related to like going over, going walking through one of the movies. Um, oh, I hope not. I hope it's just we do all the movies and then do them all again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that, actually. Uh, we, sh- we should just like keep rewatching them over and over and doing new episodes. <laughs> Yeah, and like taking, getting new things, new takeaways each time. Yeah, um, but but that's kind of the idea right now is we're going to be, uh, as we do this, um, for each episode, we're going to be covering a different installment of the Child's Play franchise, and uh, we're going to be going sequentially. I think the, uh, the remake is going to be coming out in June. That's so, going to be a hot week for us, so we need to we we got to get ready for that. Eric. That is our week. That's what we. That's were, our week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was born for. I don't know. I don't know about you. Yeah. yeah, it's what I was. It's what I've been. It's what I. It's what my life has been pointing to all along, and I just didn't know it yet. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So this. So for this first episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Child's Play Part One, uh, mm-hmm. which is exciting, but. Uh, the reason that we're doing this, Jeremy, uh, and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a 
truly incredible poster that was going around on the internet a couple days ago uh, for the remake. Have you seen this? I have not seen it. Is it is it the standard poster or is it? So here's the deal. Child's Play, the <laughs> remake, comes out uh-huh. on the same day as Toy Story 4. So... Oh. Let me just look it up so I can get the... Uh, describe it properly but basically the toy story 4 poster is uh, a a picture of woody tipping his little cowboy hat and if you look at it side by side with the child's play remake poster what Mm -hmm. they did is they basically kept the same background and the same style and you see like a bloodied dismembered woody lying on the ground (gasps) Oh, that's awesome! Walking I'm out looking of at frame it now. Is, Ch- yeah. is Chucky's little sassy little like bloody <laughs> sneaker wearing foot? <laughs> yeah, his sassy little shoe as he walks by. That is so cool. Yeah, I'm looking at him side by side now. That's that's brilliant marketing. It really is. Honestly, it, 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 it's funny, and it's also what what I. It really, really got me excited about this about this remake and it got me uh thinking about the franchise again and because chucky is so there's like this whole element to that franchise right where it's like a it's like a kind of a crazy serialized thrasher uh uh, movie franchise um but at the same time there's no uh horror villain that has the amount of sass that Chucky does. <laughs> yeah. It, it is like uh, taking what Wes Craven and I guess uh, John Carpenter popularized, right? In like the late seven or like mid to late seventies to like it's, it's final form, which is Chucky. Who's like the sassiest <laughs> version of a slasher, uh, a villain. It's like, it's like the logical conclusion of, of this, of this genre. <laughs> right. It, 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 it I just love it so much because it's so uh, uh, horror and comedy to me are like very similar genres. I think uh, so. Right. Because I think they're both kind of trying to elicit like one specific reaction out of the audience. And I think yeah, there's Chucky, a lot of, yeah. it definitely leans more into the horror side. But Chucky is like funny as hell to me. Yeah. It's, it's funny in like such a campy way. And I think... That's something to be appreciated about the series. I, I'm not sure if I'll feel the same as we as we move forward. Uh, I I don't know all of the Chucky installments very well, but I I know this movie, the first movie, uh, pretty well. I watch it almost every Halloween because uh, I like it so oh, much. Really? It's just a it's just a it's just a damn good flick, <laughs> dude. It really is, and we'll get we'll get into it in the second half of the episode. We'll um, uh, I I made notes, and we'll kind of go almost scene by scene. And talk about yeah. and talk about it, but I do think I do think part one is like at least the first half of it, just like a perfectly paced horror movie. Yeah, and I, and that's I think that's actually true about a lot of horror films. Like if you go back and watch the old Hellraiser movie or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, their uh, pacing is, is such key yep. in, the, in in those in those Halloween. films. Uh, Halloween, yeah, especially in their very in the very first installments of each one. Like, I can't really speak for the later ones. Like, they they all suffer the same fate of like going like way off the rails into like 
Power Ranger territory where they're like they become about they become about they got they're getting bigger and bigger often in the wrong direction. But but at least they're the very first uh, films in, in each one of these uh, series is is usually pretty good. Right. Usually, usually it's like it's like good enough to obviously elicit like a hundred different sequels after it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think that this first Child's Play movie did that. And this franchise definitely goes off the rails. Um, I think all of oh, them yeah. go off the rails, right? Like Nightmare I mean, on Na- po- Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street is maybe <laughs> either Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, like go off the rails like maybe less than like a Friday the 13th which just gets absolutely bonkers yeah I I, I actually I know I mean because Jason ha- goes to hell and space which is both both yep. fun choices for Jason but then like with Nightmare on Elm Street you have like the dream warriors like yeah a team dedicated to ki- <laughs> to like killing Freddy inside of inside of the, a, a dreamland uh and then, yeah, ha- Halloween. I actually, I, I also don't know much about. I'm not sure. I, yeah, th- that does seem like it, it heightens way less. I mean, the Halloween he- movies are all just, uh, not all of them, but like, they're mo- they're mostly the same, the same kind of thing. I mean, it's it's like yep. the same formula applied to like a different setting with a different cast, except for Halloween three, which is just a completely different different movie. Yeah, um, I gotta I gotta study up on some on some of my uh, my old seventies uh, and eighties slasher flicks. You really but before should. We get, They're all good. Before we get before we get too far into it, though, I, I did want to like hover on a topic you brought up, which is like comedy and horror and yeah. how they're and how they're similar. Uh, yeah, because they both, I guess, rely on surprise. Often is a big part of both mm-hmm. uh, comedy and horror. You also have a lot of like uh, satire. Is obviously a comedic like genre but you can hide satire in horror very well like they both lend themselves to being metaphors and analogies for other things right like political yeah <laughs> politically I'm trying to and, picture, and uh, an example of satire and horror i think i get get what you mean well i i think like jordan peele right like the stuff he makes is, oh yeah of course yeah uh that's like that's like the most like obvious example but i think there i think most horror films are usually analogous to something real like something grounded and um and then just like partnered with like a fear like a common fear people have but uh and yeah but yeah i i guess what is your what would you think is the perfect what film do you go to that is like this is this perfectly incorporates both horror and comedy and blends them together equal parts in a great way like what's your go-to oh horror and comedy man. yeah horror and comedy because that's that's pretty much what this film is i, I think uh, uh, it is less comedy i think than the later ones get but i mean they ca- <laughs> just casting uh uh crazy brad dorif <laughs> like like they they knew they were making somewhat of a of a of a cheeky film right uh, um, so what, what what movie do you think perfect, perfectly does horror and comedy? So Shaun of the Dead, I think. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. Is a good one. Um, was Cabin in the Wo- Cabin in the Woods was kind of funny, right? I love Cabin in the Woods, and I think it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe the Scream movies too. Like I remember enjoying the Scream movies on multiple levels. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scream One is a is a is a very that's a go to for me for sure. I would also I would also throw Ghostbusters in there. Like I know yeah. <laughs> I know that's mostly a comedy, but like. There were parts of that movie when I was a kid that would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, uh, like the the oh god, I'm blanking on like the specific of it, but like the the refrigerator or whatever. Is yeah, that, yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, before we dive into this movie, Jeremy, I kind of wanted to get just like a little bit of um, a little bit of your history with with horror movies and more specifically the the child's play movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I guess like uh, with horror films, I I used to I used to go to school for like film, like for a film education. I ended up switching to English later, but for a while I was taking film classes, and I took a class called Gender and Sexuality in the Horror Film. Okay, and that really like that was like my beginning of like, oh, now I'm a huge horror fan, and like. I'm always looking at these things like structurally and like how they're set up and um and like why certain choices are made like it's very interesting to me. I think it's a very interesting genre and uh I I don't I don't follow it like uh as much as I'd like. I'd like to like you know be diligent about going back and like watching some some old classics and like continuing that film knowledge but I guess, uh, like, I'm uh, if if there's a new hot horror film out in theaters, I'm always really down to see it. Like, uh, it was very exciting when movies like Hereditary come out, or mm-hmm. uh, or others. I don't know, Us stuff like that. Us, it follows. It follows was great. Um, uh, the Bob Babadook was a pretty it was a nice modern one. Oh, uh, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Uh, oh yeah, strong, I never watched that. Strong. I, did, I didn't know if recommend. I would want to uh, get into like a full-on horror series because I never really I mean, liked American yeah. Horror Story. Oh yeah, well this is like I mean tonally American Horror Story has a lot of problems I think, but yeah. but this this was like a perfect it's and it's also a one shot Eric. So if you want to do it, just know that after season one, there's like probably not going to be a season two. It's it's like a standalone miniseries kind of mm. thing. Okay. Uh, it's very good though. I mean, it's like perfect. Uh, Child's Play specifically, I've only seen the first one really, and bits and pieces of like the ones where he's married. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bride of Chucky. Uh, Bride of Chucky. Yeah, but um, I love this film. I've seen this film a lot. Um, I, I watch again. Yeah, it's one of my go-to Halloween flicks. I really. <laughs> I, I was really afraid of Chucky growing up. Same. Um, and I don't know, Eric, were you... I mean, you were... were there's a little bit of a, a, an age gap between us, but not too yeah. much. Were, You're were 72, you, right? Well, yeah, I'm in, I'm, well, I'm in my I'm in my mid seventies. Oh, so shit. I'm seventy. Okay. I'm seventy five at least, but I can never remember because I have Alzheimer's. It's uh, <laughs> oh, a problem. I, I it is a problem. I'm either eight or twenty-four, but I also have Alzheimer's. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know which one. Yeah, uh, but like, do you remember like blockbuster videos? Do you remember like going into yeah, blockbusters? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, like, I remember like going to blockbusters 
and being a kid and like going through the horror section, which is always my favorite section to go in, but like looking at the covers and just yep. your imagination goes bananas. Yeah, dude. And those child's play covers, good God, when you're a kid and you wander into that, uh, into that horror section, I'm glad you brought yeah. this up because I completely forgot about that. Like, that would be that would be one stop I would always make at the blockbuster, and uh-huh. you'd go in, you turn a turn a corner, and you'd you'd be looking at like pumpkin head and like ginger snaps and all these like like weird <laughs> ass like nineties, yeah, uh, horror movies. And man, there was there was a time where like the movie, like the DVD cover, or the VHS cover was just like such a big marketing tool. Yeah. I mean, Child's Play 2, that cover is like iconic to me. Um, Not so much this. Yeah, not so much this cover. Not so much Child's Play 1, but like Child's Play 2 is the one where Chucky is going to chop off the Jack in the Box head. Oh, yes. I'm so glad that you were afraid of Chucky as a kid, too, because I feel like we're we're a part of that generation where... uh, it, it it was just it it was we were growing up at least I was growing up around the time where like some of these sequels uh, in the first one were playing on cable once in a while, so oh, I would be like yeah. flipping channels and I'd see like a terrifying clip and like wouldn't be able to sleep that night. Um, back when I was you know twenty five, twenty six, but yeah. uh, <laughs> um, oh you know what? Now that I'm looking at the ch- the the Child's Play one VHS cover, it it's also pretty iconic. I I was going off of yeah. this uh this this Wikipedia image, which I I, I didn't actually recognize, but but this one is pretty yeah, is very iconic, and uh, I love the quote uh, at the top of it by uh, by. Hmm. By someone from the New York Daily News, it's just three stars. First of all, which is very funny, <laughs> it's like right up top, right at the top of the uh, of a three stars. It just says Chucky is one mean sob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see why they use that on the cover, right? Like that's kind of uh, the. It seems like that's what they're going for. There is like a uh, something to be said about the choice of like making this. Uh, this kind of like terrifying villain, uh, a, a toy, right? Like, right. It's this thing that, like, yes, obviously, it's going to scare children, but it's also this thing that's like around every family's house, and it's kind of like this creepy thing that already uh, has like a body and a head, and all yeah, it takes it's, is it's, like it's, something <laughs> to make it a living, breathing creature. Yeah, it's anatomically. Uh, a, a human already so that's mm-hmm. that that's also nice later on you can like you know use use actual people to like be chucky if you want <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's uh yeah it's also something that it's it has an easy justification for why it can be alone with with a kid in a room you know right right yeah um yeah and we'll see we see we see that uh, happen in in the first movie here, right? Like mm. little uh, what's his name? Alex goes to bed. Little Alex. Alex. Yeah, it's Alex. Right? I think it's a- Andy. Oh, Andy. Right? Andy. Yeah, Alex is yeah. the name of the uh, the actor. Alex Vincent. Which is crazy that like Andy is also the name of the Toy Story kid. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Well, this is nineteen eighty eight. No, no, no. I know. I wonder if the Toy Story, the people who made Toy Story, named him Andy on purpose. 
<laughs> after the child's play yeah character it's it, i mean but eric that's too coincidental right i mean i know a bunch of andys <laughs> Yeah, okay, good point. Good point. I love how we can't see each other, so neither of us knows when the other one is doing a bit. Is doing a bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so Jeremy, uh, uh uh so the year that this movie came out was nineteen eighty eight, right? Mm-hmm. So this movie is it came out November eighth. November 9th, 1988. So this movie is about two months older than I am. Yeah, uh, it's one, one year younger than me. So I, I'm one, one year years old younger. at this point. Oh, yeah. okay. Did yeah, you go I'm, I'm opening weekend? I did, I did go opening weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, was, it was cool. But back then... Um, <laughs> yeah, back then they, they had like a strict no baby policy. So okay. me and a few other babies, we had to stack on top of each did other. Did the trench become, coat. <laughs> yeah, we did the trench coat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you were all crawling and you couldn't like stand on each other. So it just looked like a man doing the worm into the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it took about 100 babies to pull off this Ocean's Eleven like heist. But we got it. We got there. <laughs> so... um I did a little research uh, on just like general things that were going on in 1988. Oh, actually, you know what? I wanted to real quick um, kind of go over my thing with horror movies. Uh, oh, so, yeah. And your history with the Chucky franchise. Yes. So I. Thanks for the reminder, Jeremy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this first episode is going to be heavily edited. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much work for me, man. Honestly, when I if I run up against uh, uh, blocks, I just put it all in. I say, <laughs> you know what? That's honesty. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so yeah, uh, horror movies. Uh, I I've loved them all always. They've always been uh, kind of like a something something that I just always go back to. I always like cycle back to going through like a horror phase and a lot of the, a lot of the ones i love are like the early not early but like 70s and 80s and 90s slasher movies um hell yeah recently went through all the friday the 13th uh how are those I, holding up there's more bad ones than good for sure 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 um, but the good ones are really good like part four and part two yeah um, but yeah, like Jason, like Jason goes to hell and the space one are, while the gimmicks are fun, they're like just terrible movies. Uh, yeah. But it was fun. I would, I, I, I guess I would recommend like, if you're like interested in watching all of the Jason movies to go like one through seven or something like that. But <clears throat> I think that Friday the 13th also has like the best modern remake of all when they were like going back through and like trying to remake all of those old slasher films like i actually liked the friday the 13th remake i did not like the nightmare on elm street remake with rorschach from watchmen <laughs> and i and i didn't like uh the i, I didn't care for the uh rob zombie the rob, halloween rob zombie halloweens yeah. although they're okay but they're whatever uh, yeah I, I i mean i don't know i never saw the friday the 13th one but yeah um 
when I when I was like, when I was like a kid, there are two horror movie moments, three horror movie moments that I remember uh, very vividly. Um, the first one is I had a babysitter when I was um, I think this was nineteen ninety, must have been ninety eight. Um, I had a babysitter, and my sister and I were watching TV, and the trailer for Halloween H2O came on. Oh, yeah. I remember this. (laughs) Do you remember that commercial by chance? I don't remember the commercial, no, but I remember the marketing campaign was everywhere when that that movie. Really, yeah. They must have spent a lot of money on that, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And man, that, that commercial, for whatever reason, I mean, I was like nine years old, but that scared the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> and I remember my babysitter like saying that she was going to go see that like the following night. And my sister and I were like, you're actually going to go like, some, like, uh, 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 uh you're, you're actually going to do that to yourself. Like go and see this like terrifying movie. But it, it it was kind of this thing where um, with a lot of horror movies and a lot of comedies too, to be honest with you, uh, when I was a kid where it was kind of like a forbidden fruit because my parents wouldn't allow us to watch, you know, like rated R movies and stuff like that. So there was sort of this feeling uh, about horror movies for me of like, I never want to see that. It looks scary as shit, but there was also this kind of like, element to it where like people don't want me to see this so i want to see it mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah of course so uh the next the next horror movie experience that i had that just like absolutely terrified me was uh the first time i saw a child's play movie it was either part two or three and i had a friend in middle school who his parents had like Showtime and Cinemax and all that stuff, so we would have. Oh sleepovers. hell yeah! Yeah, everyone has that friend, right? When you're growing up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, either Child's Play two or three we watched, and it, I did not sleep that night. Uh, I remember, I remember it specifically because I was like supposed to be falling asleep on this like sectional couch, and I yeah. remember the whole night like just like sweating and like thinking about Chucky (laughs) (laughs) and and, uh, like looking around and like my friends were like fast asleep. So I felt like the biggest coward. Yeah. Well, that's not fair because uh, like you, you were the only non-sociopath in your friend group, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, my other friends were all in their (laughs) forties. They're like, we know this isn't real. I like how you were uh, handling seeing Child's Play uh, like a cartoon would handle getting scared. Like you were just like your teeth were chattering and you were just sweating. <laughs> yeah, my little fingers were like pulling the blanket just up to my nose. <laughs> uh, d- so do you remember from watching it that night? It might, it might be too early of a memory for you to pull anything specific. But do you remember like a specific Chucky moment that really stood out oh, to you back then? Man. I think it. W- I don't. I don't remember anything like too specific. I just remember sure. Chucky. I just remember being afraid of Chucky, basically. And yeah, from that point on, I mean, that started like a whole thing where I was genuinely afraid of like dolls. And Chucky's not the <laughs> only uh, horror movie that's kind of like played on dolls. But I would say it's the most significant one for me. That kind of like even today, when I'm like in an attic, like my grandma's attic has a couple of like old timey dolls where I'm just like, 
if I'm up there and I'm like doing something, I'll just like turn it around. So it's eyes aren't looking at me. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I, I think Chucky, like these, these movies like do things that to, to, to young minds that kind of corrupt them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and that has yeah. definitely happened to me. Like I've definitely seen uh, a bunch of horror movies way earlier than I should have. Sure. Um, I I, yeah. I like that though about growing up, and I and I hope that like our like youth culture today has some kind of equivalent of that, where it's like you you kind of need, or at least I really appreciated like having these like things I was hiding from my parents essentially, like like yeah, I I would yeah. I would watch a horror film even though I wasn't allowed to watch it, but it felt like something. It's like it's like a way of growing up, sort of on your own. It it felt like it, it was a piece of privacy, something I could control when I had so little control, you know, growing up. Uh, I really liked, you know, sneaking, basically just rated our movies when I, I, I was old enough to handle them, but like my parents still like didn't approve. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah. I like that's I, a I'm good a, spot to be in though. Right. Like where, where yeah. you're, there's kind of like an element of, um, of like, not necessarily danger, but like you feel like you're doing something wrong while you're while you're yeah. watching a child's play when you're that young. Yes, um, and it's it's a great way to digest art because it makes it so precious. You know, like the thought of right. it being able to get taken away from you at any moment makes you really take it in, like with all of your senses. You know, so I, I have like very vivid, wild memories and opinions of a lot of the movies that I've watched when I wasn't allowed to watch them as opposed to now you're allowed to watch anything. So it's like, right. You know, yeah. You, you have to be like the right mood <laughs> to enjoy something. Whereas back then, like I remember sneaking off movies like, like Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> how how and young were you when you watched Magnolia? I was probably like 13, but I remember my parents, like they, they, they made a big deal about me not being allowed to watch that movie. And I don't know why, but, but I immediately, I, I found it as fast as I could and watched it. And, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a brilliant film, you know, like it's like did really you, good. Did that register with you when you were, when you saw it, when you were that young? Yeah. That it was good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think at that point that, and that's, that's sort of the turning point for me too. When I was like, Oh, like, Films are directed by a person. Oh, and they're written by some. You know what I mean? Like I right. sort of putting together, sort of that. Like there was a behind the camera, uh, and that and that and that kind of goes hand in hand with me getting into a lot of these old horror films, these old sla uh, slasher flicks. I don't know. I saw Magnolia when I was uh, at a young age too, and I'm telling you, I've been waiting outside in the. I've been waiting outside, looking at the sky, waiting for frogs to fall for, <laughs> for years yeah. now. For years, and it's never <laughs> once happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, no matter, yeah, no matter how, no matter how many times you lose your gun out in the out in the field. Yeah, I'm always standing in a field with a gun, <laughs> looking at the sky <laughs> until someone asks me to move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Well, I think we're about ready to uh, dive into this bad boy. Um, how about we take a real quick little break and then we'll be right back. Sounds good. All right, buddy. <laughs> All right. I started the recording right when you started laughing, so it makes it seem like I just 
told a really funny uh, joke. <laughs> you did tell a really funny joke off off camera. And, yeah, it wasn't uh, no, even a listener... joke. I just jokingly <laughs> said that I'm a Scientologist, which is funny enough. I love how that's funny enough to like elicit that level yeah. of laughter. Just the very yeah. idea of a person sub- subscribing to the ideals of Scientology. To the, uh, yeah, it is very funny. You know, I've lived in Los Angeles now for three and a half years, and I've still never met one Scientologist. Yeah, I haven't met any outside of the context of them trying to convert me. Um, that happened to you? Well, I mean, there's there's like people like in the Glendale Galleria, right? There's like there's like a little kiosk where there's a guy that like walks out to people and like. I think he's like trying to sell like the Dianetics book or something like that. Um, oh, interesting. But I've definitely had people uh, come up to me on on the street, and I've gotten so many flyers on the hood of my car from. Uh, they're all like acting workshops that take place at the like celebrity center or whatever. Um, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I I, I still haven't. I haven't uh, ever even me- been been like pursued by a Scientologist. Uh, see, you don't look hopeless enough. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's probably. See, the, I look like why. a pathetic loser. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, finger fingers crossed. Though you know, my my life can go up and down at any point. So th- they're they are a constant out here. Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah, if I It's all uh it's all up here from it's all uphill from here. Yeah. <laughs> is is that their is that their motto? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jeremy, what were you doing in the year 1988? Oh, I feel like I was probably uh just freely and openly shitting in my pants. <laughs> 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 yeah so business as usual for you Bus- business as usual it's something i started back then and have been practicing ever since right um, um yeah i think i think so i don't i don't i don't know if i i have if i i might have been two when this movie came out or one i'd be one years old yeah uh so yeah i mean really nothing i don't think i start actually doing stuff until 1990 then I start like okay. playing Super Nintendo and yeah, <laughs> forming <Yeah>. memories. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know the the normal stuff that More. kids do. So, yeah. 1988. This was kind of an interesting year, right? Because this was the last year uh, of Ronald Reagan's presidency. Oh, and I didn't know I was born in in Reagan years. You were, That's yeah, yeah. You're wow. an old man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. One little fun fact that I I laughed very hard when I when I heard about when I found out about this and I I don't exactly know why uh but it's just I don't know maybe you'll think it's funny too but the day uh, the day before Child's Play came out on November 9th 1988 was the presidential election in which B- George H.W. Bush was elected so mm. The people going to see Child's Play opening weekend were like going in <laughs> with the mindset of like, okay, now our president is uh, George H. W. Bush. I can't, I can't even picture a more horrifying weekend. <laughs> I mean, it. That's that is 
to have dealt with Reagan in the White House for eight years or however, I guess, yeah, it would have been eight years. Yeah. And then to go from Reagan to Bush, I, <laughs> yeah. I just wonder what that, I wonder what that was like. Like that, that seems like a, like a, a left hook, you know, like usually what happens is presidents get elected, like on a rotation of like, we get a liberal in the White House for eight years and then a, uh, a Republican in the White House for eight years. But, uh, but no, let's just, uh, let's this, keep going with the, uh, with the yeah, old let's just R's. keep going. Yeah, yeah, let's just keep going with the evil empire. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, that's very that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so 1988, also uh, some other things that were going on. The Edmonton Oilers beat the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup, <laughs> four to zero. I'm sure we already know that, but just a little refresher for everyone. Uh, Stephen King had just written the novel Misery, one of my favorites. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, another big one for Canada. The Winter Olympics took place in Calgary in February of 1988. And, Interesting. Uh, I was about to be born. Yeah, and, you're uh, getting ready. Wait, wait, wait. What month are you born? I'm a January uh, baby. <laughs> and you're January 1989? 89, yeah. Okay, very cool, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the popular... Uh, television shows going on in 88 we have the cosby show perfect cheers the golden girls 60 minutes murder she wrote and elf were also some big uh some big contenders there on the uh on the tv channels um jeremy do you want to have a guess at what some of the blockbuster (laughs) movies of 1988 were uh okay so this is one year before batman 89 Mm-hmm. The last Back to the Future movie, mm-hmm. uh, Ninja Turtle. Eighty nine is a big year for movies. I don't know what eighty eight is though. Well, let me refresh your memory, okay? Uh, <laughs> we have Beetlejuice. All right, we've got. Oh, that's huge! Freaking Die Hard. Heard of it? Yeah, uh, The I Great Outdoors. John Candy, classic. I- I've heard of all these movies so far. Yeah. The Last Temptation of Christ. You ever hear of that one? You know what's crazy? Kind a quick aside. Yeah. Uh, I was I was uh, a one year old in uh, a picket line for Last <laughs> Temptation of Christ. My my parents took me as a baby to go protest Last Temptation of Christ. What was wrong with <laughs> Last Temptation of Christ? Uh, I think uh, too horny for their taste. I think. really. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was just like. That's what that's what like uh, Billy Graham Christian Christians were doing back then. They were protesting ah, that movie. Interesting. Yeah. I know nothing about the film. I assume that it's kind of similar to like, uh, um, 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 like Passion of the Christ or something like that. No, not at all. It's it's religious fiction. It depicts oh. like it depicts Jesus as being like kind of he like ha, it depicts him as someone who like slept with Mary Magdalene and like and like did a bunch of like weird weird stuff it's uh it's a really great film it's it's a martin scorsese film but uh but yeah but it's like but it's like very blasphemous i think yeah we'll cover that one on chatting about christ (laughs) chatting about christ i would love to do a podcast where we go through every single christian film (laughs) um rain man who framed roger rabbit yeah Uh, big cocktail yeah. 
And uh, one of my favorites of the franchise, Friday the 13th Part 7, where a... um, from what I remember, the premise is a telekinetic teen, like somehow like accidentally releases Jason from his tethers at the bottom of the lake. Uh, <laughs> just this is when it just became like absolutely Looney Tunes. This this uh, Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Um, but I threw that in there just to kind of like point out how long the like slasher genre has kind of been going on at this point. Like we're we're about. 10 years in, right? And this kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about Chucky as, uh, and I like this, I like this thought that you had about like Chucky being kind of like the last, uh, like, uh, what did you say? Like the last like evolution of a. Yeah. He's like the logical conclusion of slasher. It's like, what, where do we go now? We've done so much wild shit. Yeah. How can we possibly top this? Yeah, yeah. He does feel like just throwing pasta at a wall. Like yeah. what what can we do? Yeah, what can we do with this next? Yeah. So in 1988, uh movie tickets cost $3.50. Uh that's great. Some of the top songs of 1988, Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison, just a real Very banger. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that, a, that is a banger. I don't know if you're if you're joking. But no, it I absolutely like, is. I, I love that. I love that song. Yeah. Great song. Uh, Never gonna give you up, Rick Astley. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like that song. I'm over no, it. No, I'm over it. Sweet child of mine and uh, Kokomo by the Beach Boys. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of like what the culture was like in America in in um, 1988. Very cool, yeah. That that all tracks for me. I got. I have. I have no. I take no issues yeah. with this yet. <laughs> You're not. You don't have any like arguments against my research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna walk out of this podcast just yet. <laughs> so I want to do like a little kind of like walkthrough of the movie, but first, um, just to kind of like give a little bit of general information about the first child's play. And then I found a bunch of interesting uh, trivia that some of which kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier. Um, So child's play uh, is about a widowed mother uh, giving her son a doll for his birthday, unaware that the doll is possessed by the soul of an infamous serial killer. So really bizarre premise, right? Like if you, if you read that synopsis, if you were like a guy who like reads scripts or something or like a producer and you like read that, would you think, huh, this could be a franchise that spans 80 <laughs> mo- or it spans eight movies over the course of 30 years? <laughs> um, no, I, I not not at all. No, it doesn't. It, I, I probably if I was an executive, I would not have greenlit this based on that (laughs) um but maybe but maybe if you pitched to me the character of chucky i would have been more interested yeah i would be very interested to see the the pitch of the of this movie because man i have a little bit of info we'll get to about uh the studio's feelings on on this franchise but oh uh, i can't wait for that honestly i because i've done no research that in that direction so i'm i'm excited 
<laughs> it's wild stuff. So uh, <laughs> the film was directed by Tom Holland, who also directed Fright yes. Night, which is quite good. Well, he um, also is now currently playing Spider-Man, right? In the in the new what? Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah, same guy. Same guy, yeah. He he ages in reverse is the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um he he directed one of my favorite favorite things. I'm going to classify this as as a movie, but it's a two-part TV special called The Langoliers. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have never seen it, but Dude. I have seen Fright Night and Fright Night is one of my favorite. The Langoliers is uh man, it's a treat. Okay, is it where can I see Langoliers right now if I wanted to watch it? I used to always see it on the Sci-Fi Channel like years ago, okay. but nowadays yeah. I don't know. Just do what I do for everything and find Steal a very legal way to get it. <laughs> but yeah, I really like the uh, Tom Holland, like his tone. I, I think yep. he he strikes a really fun tone for each one of his movies. Where yeah, it 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 it's like a horror film that usually implements some kind of wild practical effect. Mm-hmm. And it's also they're also very uh, funny. Like I, I don't know if he. I think he writes all of his. Yeah, that's a good point. He's yeah. yeah there is sort he, of like because he did do some episodes of like Tales from the Crypt and stuff like oh, that. Which which he also wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and right now <laughs> he's working on a movie right now called Rock Paper Dead, which I think is just yeah. a funny <laughs> like. <laughs> it's like a very funny horror movie. Uh, title Tight, yeah um yeah but yeah so before before uh holland came on board for this movie um william friedkin and uh irvin kirshner were both approached and turned it down um mm-hmm. so holland actually wound up directing on a uh, a child's play on a recommendation by steven spielberg who i guess recommended him uh to the studio which i thought was kind yeah. of a Kind of interesting, I guess. I don't know. Um, I wonder how they knew each other. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do think there is kind of this like network of directors. At least, at least back in the day, there was like it seemed like there was more of a network. Like when you read, have you ever read uh, Easy Easy Riders, Raging Bulls? Yeah, for sure. So I guess that yeah. that's more my question. I guess I, w- I was wondering if Tom Holland was part of that gang of of uh, young young Hollywood uh, auteur directors. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he was like part of the gang, but I think I think they all kind of like knew each other a little bit, you know. I also love how obsessed Steven Spielberg was with ho- like interesting horror films that he didn't want to himself put his name on. You know, like, uh, like I he like he produced. Oh, what? Uh, not Exorcist. Uh, hmm. what? What am I thinking of? That 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 movie that Poltergeist? was uh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh he, he man, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. I forgot about that's that. A, th- that's a great film. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then yeah, he he seems like he's actually kind of involved with Child's Play a little bit. It's yeah. it's it's interesting to me that he doesn't usually make like traditional horror films but he really likes being around them <laughs> yeah um yeah. just a sidebar i did find et pretty scary when i was when i was a kid yeah and i mean like if you look at jaws and jurassic park they're, oh, they're right. basically yeah. ho- horror films but like i wouldn't ever classify them that way if that makes sense 
Yeah. Uh, Jaws, may, ja, thriller is a thriller, I guess, for Jaws. Yeah, a, a thriller. Uh, yeah, Jaws, Jaws more so a traditional like slasher film yeah. uh, type type horror film. But uh, yeah. So uh, the 1988 Child's Play was uh, based on a story from Don Mancini. Um, Mancini first conceived the idea while studying as a film major at UCLA. Uh, so he claimed to have been inspired by consumerism, Cabbage Patch Kids, <laughs> the trilogy of terror, and uh, you might be interested about uh, in this the twilight zone episode living doll do you know that episode oh for sure i, I mean i i used to have a uh a twilight zone podcast uh-huh. where we went through every episode of the twilight zone and uh so what yeah, is this living episode doll, about it is essentially like uh, uh there's okay so the premise is basically a, a dad uh, or I guess he's like he's like married into uh, his wife has a daughter already from a previous marriage, and so he's like her stepdad, and he's like kind of an alcoholic, kind of like a loser, sort of uh, it's verbally abusive to his wife and and step and stepchild. Uh, the daughter gets a a talking Tina doll, which is like a a quote unquote popular doll in this uh, in this universe, mm-hmm. and uh, the doll seems to be possessed. And it seems to have it out for this guy. So, like the whole episode, you're seeing the doll just sort of appear in in, in weird places, um, and it keeps sort of like haunting, following this guy, drives him crazy. He tries to destroy it several times, and it just keeps showing back up. It, it's very Chucky esque, although there's no practical effect. Like you don't see him, you don't see the doll like get up and move around or anything. Okay. It it just it just continues to make the same talking Tina sounds, and then and then like it, it starts like like kind of in Chucky fashion starts like talking to the guy directly. And I think the doll ends up killing the man. Mm-hmm. And the whole episode is sort of like, is like, Oh, this is like basically his punishment for being a bad guy to his wife and stepchild. <laughs> that like, like talking okay. Tina is there to protect the, the daughter huh. basically. It's, 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 and it's one of these like very classic twilight zone episodes that like, not only Toy Story, this Brave Little Toaster, like it, I, I feel like it started a trend of like um, anthropomorphizing like lifeless objects into yeah. into being like real real people. Uh, also, famously, Goosebumps had something similar to this called Night of the Living Dummy, yeah, which was mm-hmm. that scared yeah, me which, too when I was a kid. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me also. Uh, but that was like yeah that. that in the, in its serialized form, Goosebumps did a did a version of Night of the Living Dummy, Dummy Part One, Two, and Three, I think. And uh, yeah, dolls are scary. Yeah, dolls suck. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dolls suck. <laughs> um, so in Mancini's original script, uh, which was titled Blood Buddy, uh, the doll <laughs> Chucky, the Chucky doll, would have been filled with fake blood, and that would allow it to bleed, and in his original script, uh, Chucky would have would come alive after Andy mixed his blood with Chucky's blood. Oh, <laughs> weird, right? Like very weird. So yeah. far off from from what we ended up with. Um, I do. I kind of part of me like wishes I could have seen that though, because that is so. 
That's so crazy. But I could see how like the blood would be like a studio note or something, especially with like children, like a, like a, like a child, like a, it would be problematic to have like all this blood or whatever from like kids toy and like a child. And I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Well, I mean, but Chucky does bleed in this film, right? Does he? I, I, Actually, maybe he doesn't. I know he definitely bleeds at some point. Huh. Like he, like you, there are there are later iterations of Chucky where he's all scarred up, and like yeah. you can clearly see That's underneath true. the wounds, there's blood. I think there's a lot of. Uh, but I, I was wondering if like the Chucky with the blood coming out of the mouth, if that was from this this film. I can't remember, and I just watched it, so yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. But that but yeah, but like I feel like I feel like the doll bleeding was sort of if, to me it feels part of it, but maybe it's not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I just don't remember it. I don't remember that being like an element to it. Um but I like it. I like I like the idea of it. Um so the original the his original script also would have been a who done it uh which dealt with the effect of advertising on TV to children. Um which I think we kind of get that a little bit in actually a lot in the, in this final version of the of the story, right? This sort of like yeah, how it starts with like this kid really wants this toy, and then it just becomes, um, you know, a total bloodbath. <laughs> it's yeah. It, oh, it, yeah, it actually is really still totally about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So the film was uh, executive produced by David Kirshner, who. Uh, Eventually would go on to produce all seven of the Chucky uh, series, which I think is kind of cool. I think it's great when someone just kind of like sticks with a, a fran- like a good franchise like that. I think that's fun. Yeah. Um, At some point it becomes his cash machine. I, I feel like where, where he can make these films very cheaply, you know, right. And the return is always going to be higher than what you put into it. Cause I think that this film was a nine, it, cost nine million dollars to make it ended up making Uh 44 million dollars yeah it did well yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um so some other films that he produced uh hocus pocus oh uh, great the 1994 flintstones oh great and uh the bill and ted tv show what is is that a cartoon i i have no idea i just saw that on his imdb he's one of those guys that has like 200 things listed under producer Sure. Um, so I just, you know, naturally picked the three weirdest things I could find. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although with the Flintstones film, you can kind of see like, I don't know if this is if this is just like a coincidence or because of his production uh, taste. But yeah, it's also very practical effect heavy. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like that, that old school, like we're going to build like a really elaborate set. Yep. Mm-hmm. kind of kind of treatment of, of of this and i'm looking at yeah pictures of what i believe is yeah chucky one he's definitely bleeding out of his nose okay. <laughs> when, especially i think it's when they go back to the toy store where he's running around in the toy store um yeah he also has like weird like i'm looking at all these pictures online like he'll he'll have like weird wounds like gashes oh yeah of course face. he bleeds yeah i'm looking at like all of these pictures and yeah of course he's like gets all bloody and stuff which is it's so funny because it just is like he also has teeth <laughs> it's weird <laughs> yeah, yeah well it i mean it is 
they kind of explain it like he um ah shit we'll we'll get to it i wrote down like we'll i wrote down it, yeah. the the actual like explanation for it so we're about to dive into just going through the movie um a few fun facts. This goes back to the uh, the three name, the Charles Re- Lee Ray thing. Oh um, yeah. So Charles Charles Lee Ray, the the criminal that uh, takes over the body of a a, a doll, um, is <laughs> <laughs> the name is <laughs> derived from the names of notorious serial killer killers Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray. So the film used various ways to portray Chucky, including RC animatronics, little people, and child actors. Um, The film created multiple animatronics, uh, and the animatronics' faces were controlled via remote through a rig that that went on one's face and captured facial movement. So like the way that Chucky's face was moving, there was actually a human person kind of like moving their mouth and their their eyebrows around and stuff which is kind of oh my god i think that's interesting for this time right? yeah i don't know i mean this is this is one year before that ninja turtles movie comes out which <laughs> i think also pioneers uh okay. uh that that's that exact same type of technology it, it like yeah. it it will do it again and and on a larger scale in that film but like i i will say that this that chucky and the ninja turtles they they look great like for the 80s yeah absolutely i think i mean i'm a practical effects guy i i mean they would they would what's the the new chucky's probably just going to be like cgi or something now right i i hope not i hope you not know? too I, but it, it i hope it's a puppet is. yeah yeah i know i know that the new chucky is voiced by mark hamill uh-huh. which i is is a great choice yeah that's He's, exciting he is such a great voice actor um so uh, let's see. The original the original cut was two hours long, and they had to whittle it down to eighty seven minutes because of a negative reception. But Kirshner, <laughs> uh, uh, I found this interesting. He he strongly advocated for them to cut out scenes of Chucky on screen um, to build suspense in a similar way as Jaws and Alien. Um, I like which that. I agree with. I think that's. I think that's brilliant. Um, I don't want to see. I would watch Chucky run around for two hours straight, but I don't. (laughs) That's not how you like build suspense, you know. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have three more. I have three more uh, little factoids that I'll bang out here. Uh, Perfect. So the original title was going to be "Batteries Not Included" before it became known that Spielberg was also making a film with the same title. Uh, John Lithgow was rumored to be considered to play and voice Chucky. Imagine that. That would have been cool. Um, MGM, who uh, we see the little MGM lion giving us a nice little roar at the beginning of the film. He, uh, (laughs) the MGM (laughs) company, uh, uh, disowned the film uh, after it came out because it had qualms with the film's subject matter. So now we're getting wow. into the the controversy. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the big controversy. Honestly, there was, there was a lot of big controversy. There were people protesting at the main entrance of MGM during the release, uh, wow. calling for a ban because they thought it would incite violence in kids. 
Um, the cast and crew were actually legitimately disturbed by this and they felt bad about it. Um, and the films, uh, the film series has been plagued with accusations of inciting violence in children ever since. So, uh, I find it kind of interesting and like a little bit funny that, (laughs) that there's like seven of these movies and it start, they started off so, uh, controversial especially with such like a delicate thing like violence in children is something that you don't want to ever seem like you're advocating for right (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i like that they were just like well we got a real bad reaction on that front for this first one (laughs) should we do another one (laughs) i mean hey money talks you know what i mean so um the cast consists of Catherine Hicks, who you might know from Seventh Heaven, yep. a ton of TV movies. Uh, Chris Saradon, Sarandon, 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 Chris Sarandon, Sarandon. yeah, as Chris Mike Sarandon. Norris from Fright Night, of course. Uh, yeah, Dog Day Afternoon, Princess Bride. Incredible uh, performance in Dog Day Afternoon. Won him the mm. Oscar for the shortest amount of time being on screen. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Alex Vincent is the kid, and he's pretty much just been in the child, uh, play, child's play movies. Um, Brad Dourif as Charles Lee Ray. Uh, 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 I'm a big Dourif head. Are you? <laughs> I love I love Dourif, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Lynch, uh, he's uh, uh, Werner Herzog, who is like a a Lynchian type director. He uses sure. Brad Dourif a lot in a lot of his films. Oh, he's great. Okay. He's great. In, he's great in Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, he's in Dune. Yeah. He's in Dune, and he's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, and then Dina Manoff, who I don't know, I, who I guess she's in Greece. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, who is she? Is she the? Is she the? The she's Maggie. The she's the she's the friend who the, the kid friend, who they call yeah. the an aunt, I guess. Which yeah, I thought was confusing. Um, it was confusing, but then I, you kind of get it. It's like, oh yeah, you you call your mom's friends aunt. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It was the eighties. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's dive into this bad boy, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, so we open with a shootout. It's uh, it's it, so this film actually takes place on the day that it was released. So this is November 9th, nineteen eighty eight, um, okay. when the shootout happens. And we're in downtown Chicago. Um, a fugitive and serial killer, Charles Lee Ray, is being chased by homicide detective Mike Norris through the streets of Southside Chicago after a failed robbery attempt. Jeremy, how uh-huh. did you uh, how did you like this opening? I lo- I love it. I love an opening that's in media res. We're in fast action. Yep. Uh, because we you could almost bet your your bottom dollar that. The, the scene is only going to be about five minutes long, and then we're going to get like a very slow-paced traditional opening to a film exactly. right after. Yeah, but and it's like the cold open, and it's very good. I will say, I mean, we haven't gotten into specifically what happens, but like the Haitian voodoo element of this mm-hmm. movie, I find to be very funny. <laughs> very funny and very of the time. Um, yeah. And I find it's very, this... It's very grem- gremlins-ish. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. This style of uh, 
of opening is very, very late 80s and 90s for me where there's kind of this like mystical thing that happens, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So Mike shoots at Charles Lee Ray a few times, but he, uh, Charles uh, still manages to get away. Or wait, Mike manages to get away mm-hmm. from his vehicle. Uh, Charles is left behind by his accomplice, Eddie Caputo, who I love that name. Yep. Uh, he panics and drives away. So Charles uh, breaks into a toy shop uh, where he eventually fatally shoot, is shot by Mike. Um, mm-hmm. So this is when we get into the Haitian voodoo. Uh, and it's totally unexplained like why he starts doing this or right. what prompted it or anything like that. But basically... As he's dying, he sees a good guy doll, and good guys are what the Chucky doll is. Uh, it's like the kind of like the popular doll of the of the season or whatever. Um, and he puts this Haitian voodoo spell on it. Uh, the store, <laughs> the the entire toy store, gets struck by lightning and explodes. And yes. uh, somehow Mike survives the explosion, and uh, and he gets knocked back. <laughs> yeah. Like so hardcore, yep. and he just gets up and brushes it off. It's so cool. <laughs> it's pretty badass, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's my second favorite character after. Uh, he's so cool. Chucky. Yeah. Actually, I like Andy too, but um, I, I, you know, th- I, like I didn't respond mom, as dude. well to Andy th- in this last go around. I found him very annoying this last time, but yeah, a little bit. So we cut yeah. to Andy, and uh, I love this scene. It's his birthday. It's his birthday morning, and he is pouring himself <laughs> the most <laughs> reckless bowl of cereal I have ever seen in my life. There's like Fruit Loops. I think it's Fruit Loops that are like spilling all over the counter, and he tops it off with several spoonfuls of just like pure cane sugar. <laughs> pure cane <laughs> sugar. Yeah. And, uh, and he, yeah, he ends up burning some toast pretty bad, and then he and then he yeah. tops it with what is a gag, a gag reflexes amount of butter. He just scoops <laughs> like ice cream and puts it on top. Yeah. So after he does, he he gets just like absolutely like uh, spun out on sugar and like <laughs> butter and stuff, and he barges into his mom's room at like six in the morning, opens her blinds and starts like jumping on her bed basically to like wake her up and we we find out that it this is his birthday so that's why he's all amped up um (laughs) you know uh yeah so he goes and he opens he opens his presents and he is a little disappointed right he gets i think he gets like uh some accessory that goes with the good guy from what I recall. Mm. So Karen Barclay, the mother, is uh, you know, she's a little upset that her that her son is isn't happy with the gift that she got her or that she got him. So she goes out and she purchases a good guy doll. Um, not from a store though. She purchases it from a, a weird bum who I kinda like this guy. He's kinda like a silly character. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting that like, yeah, I guess in this world, the good guys dolls are sort of like Tickle Me Elmo or yeah, these, it, they're really hard to find, even though if we're, if we're, if we're taking, if we're, if we're thinking that the November 9th uh, shootout happened the day before this mm-hmm. took place, uh, when he goes into that store, they, they are stocked. 
I know they were like <laughs> lousy with these good guy dolls. So yeah. I, I'm not really sure what the messaging here is, but I guess what happened is that homeless guy uh, went into that destroyed toy store, yes. found the perfect worst Chucky doll he yeah. could find, and reboxed it. <laughs> no, see, this isn't. This isn't. Um, I see what you're saying, but this isn't like a jingle all the way situation where there's none of these left. She is just hard up for cash, I think, because she's like a widowed mom um, oh, working the shitty like, right. mall that's job, right. like, department store job, and she, um, the, yeah, because yeah. I remember there. I think it was like there were a hundred dollars new, and she paid fifty or something like that. Yes, um, yes, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. yeah that, that that that's that's right. I forgot it was actually about money, not by scarcity. Yeah. So, do you want to pause yeah. and rewatch the whole movie? before we keep going. <laughs> I don't think it'll inform much else. <laughs> uh, so Maggie is babysitting Andy for Karen, and uh, she, get, she gets startled by a phone call from Karen, uh, who is working late. And uh, I, I just love this line uh, because, the, because Karen says that she has to uh, stay home late. Maggie's like, well, would you stop worrying and give Chriswell a kick in the pants for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great line. And then and then uh Maggie also says she has a bit of the alone at night willies, which I think we all mm. we all get from time to time. We can also especially not be, being not in your house. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is kind of this classic babysitter setup um mm-hmm. that we see. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different situation. I don't think she's a teenager necessarily. No, they, the the, these ladies look like in their like mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So after tucking Andy and Chucky into bed, uh, <laughs> Maggie. Okay, which okay. we should probably say. We should probably mention that, like, at, at some point, um, when Andy pulls out his good guy doll, the mm-hmm. the doll name, like he's he says hello, like my name is Chucky, right? Yeah. Uh, which is not what the commercial. That's not the name of the doll in the commercial. Oh, interesting. So what do, do we think that the each doll has its own name? A, B, uh, or is it Charles Lee Ray naming himself? I think Chucky? that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Um, but there is that moment where uh, I think when she tells Andy to go to bed. He's he's like, but Chucky wanted to watch like the evening news or whatever. Evening news, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which which uh, I don't know if they're playing it yet, but at a certain point they're like covering like the Charles Lee Ray story uh, on mm-hmm. that news channel, um, right? So Maggie. Uh, so what happens after this? So Maggie Maggie tucks them into bed and mm-hmm. then she's like in the kitchen for a minute or something and then she hears the TV go on uh, and Chucky is sitting there inexplicably watching the evening news and the Charles Lee Ray story is on um, and we get kind of this like what I think is just like peak horror like meandering through dark hallways kind of a little little scene um where the camera's kind of like moving around real slow and eerily and she's like chat she like checks behind like a plant or something um yeah 
But man, I love the tension that's going on in this in this scene. I don't know about you, but it it really oh, it's great. On me. And it's it's one of the few times in the movie that I think it it does this right, like uh, like a kind of a slow yeah. John Carpenter's The Thing esque yeah. like like uh, uh, and. And I, I don't, I don't think we see Chucky really do anything, right? Nope. nope. It's it Not is yet. it is like kind of off screen. She gets hit in the head with a hammer. Yeah. Was it a hammer or yeah. a hatchet? I oh yeah, it was a hammer. It was a hammer. Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. that was, I mean, in terms of like first kills of a slasher movie, you can't beat that. Like, uh, like yeah. just like. Nailed in the forehead with a hammer, flies backwards <laughs> through a window onto a city street, onto a car, I think. And yeah. Man, that was... Uh, I forgot about that, and that, that entire scene, like... I was, like, yelling things. I watched this by myself, and I was, like, yelling things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, I love that. And then the police show up uh, to the apartment... Of course, Detective Norris is there. Hell um, yeah. And he's a little uh, suspicious of Andy, right? Because we've got these little tiny footprints on the counter. Um, and Andy, before he goes to bed, he he starts to claim that Chucky killed Maggie. Um, it's so great, too, because like almost like Chucky framing Andy as the murderer a yes. little bit is uh such a cool part of this movie that i i always forget is that part of this movie is like a whodunit where uh-huh for you for, know what? um for the uh uh for detective norris it is right? yes for detective norris uh i you know and there and there's and there is a version of this film that i think would have also worked if we had never seen the cold open of the film mm-hmm. and and like the audience wasn't in on that Chucky is yeah, a, like actually living and running around, then the audience too would have maybe suspected like, is it the doll or is it the kid? You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, I think there's a version of this film that works on that level too. But See, as, as it is, we, we already are ahead of Mr. Morris. Like we know that it's Chucky. Yes. As the audience, we know uh, just from, you know, like the marketing of the movie that it's this doll that's like killing people yes. and stuff. It's a doll that's killing people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I love so much about this, and this is like such a good example of it, is the reason Chucky is such a good villain is, and I talked about this earlier, is it's a thing, he represents a thing that's in like every household with mm-hmm. children. Um and this is why this is the type of th- reason why it why it like works uh so well on children even is mm-hmm. nobody's going to ever believe you when you say that a presumably inanimate object killed someone or did something right right you know and we see that with the adults later we see we see that with a mom later um no matter who you are no one's going to be like uh yeah this stapler like I didn't do it, officer. <laughs> the stapler like killed yes. all those people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next morning, uh, Chucky orders Andy to skip school, and you know they take the old L train, uh, the Chicago L, the old Chicago <laughs> L, and uh, they go downtown. And uh, this is because Chucky wants to get revenge on his old pal uh, or former pal Eddie Caputo, who. Uh, mm-hmm. 
we all remember betrayed him by driving away. It's the whole reason uh, <laughs> Charles Lee Ray is dead and trapped inside of a doll. So Andy uh, is distracted uh, for a moment, and Chucky sneaks into an old house, which we find it, find out is Eddie Caputo's house. Um, and he proceeds to turn the gas on the oven and uh-huh. basically blows up the house. Uh-huh. Uh, what I love about this is... You know, Michael Myers is going to, like, sneak up behind someone and, like, stab them with a knife up against a wall. And we're going to see the corpse, like, the bloody corpse, like, slide down the wall. Or, or uh, I don't know, Freddy Krueger is going to, like, use his, like, claws to, like, cut someone's throat. Chucky just, like, turns on the gas of an oven and blows <laughs> up a house. Yeah, <laughs> Chucky with every kill is sort of like ripping guitar <laughs> solos too. For real. You know, yeah, he's he he kills in such magnificent rock and roll ways. Uh, yeah, it's it's very it's very funny. It also kind of goes along with that. Like, yeah, this is we've seen we've seen a killer sneak up behind someone mm-hmm. and kill them with a knife. <laughs> now now we get to see our our killer blow up buildings. Like, yeah. And what I love about this is this is a I, I'm interested to see how the kills uh, kind of evolve throughout the the movies and whether or not they stick to this. But this mm-hmm. kill is very much like what Charles Lee Ray as a human being would do, right? Like it's a very like human being style kill. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's do, do not, we know why? Do we know what kind of serial killer he was? Like. They say like that's uh, that is something I I do kind of a, a, a some questions about like Charles Lee Ray. They say he's a fugitive and a serial killer. He's trying to rob something at the beginning, yeah. but like, but like serial killer to me elicits like all kinds of things, right? Like a serial killer usually has like a calling card or some sort of weird like. Uh, propensity to kill in a certain direction a certain type of person you know um so that's i guess with especially with all this true crime the popularization of true crime has uh has made the the word the term serial killer mean something a little bit so i was mm-hmm. wondering if if we ever get like did he like kill women did he kill children was he that's a was good he question. Like a a, a hitman or something? Yeah. I didn't find any specifics about that out in my research. Um I'm hoping I'm hoping that we get answers to that in if, in the future uh installments of this of this franchise. Yeah. But I, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. I would I would love to know a little bit more about Charles Lee Ray, the man, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, Andy is basically a suspect for for this uh, house fire as well. Um, so Chucky's basically framing this little kid for uh, all these murders that he's committing. Um, Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a little later on, we have this is this might be my favorite scene uh, in the entire movie. Uh, Karen, Andy's mom, is throwing away the good guy's box. Um, and she notices, as she's uh, inspecting the box, a little pack of batteries drops out. Yeah. Um, now, what's interesting about this is, uh, you know, the damn doll is uh, battery-operated. 
it's talked to her already. It's been like talk. She's seen it like talking and stuff. Right. And to this yeah. point, she's kind of like heard Andy like blabbering on about like his conspiracy that, you know, Chucky is talking to him or whatever. And this clearly like kind of connects all the dots in her head. And we get this really fun, um, genuinely scary for me, uh, sort of scene where she's like looking for Chucky and she's like peeking under the couch Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very any any kind of scene in a horror movie where someone's peeking under something usually kind of does it for me. Um, yeah, and uh, basically what happens is Karen picks up Chucky. He he's not responding. She's like yelling at Chucky, and then she threatens to throw the doll in the fire. And this is when Chucky we finally hear his real voice, and he mm-hmm. springs to life. But we get kind of this like amazing. Uh, amazing little uh kind of like back and forth between be- between Karen and Chucky and then Chucky gets away. Yeah. Uh it's so yeah, it, he's so irreverent. He's so uh uh like <laughs> I don't know, like uh he's so bad 90s bad boy. Uh mm-hmm. his his voice is so like uh it's so rough and I, I I mean like I remember Freddy Krueger also also calling women bitches in, in yeah. his films too and it, it's Freddy's just like funny too I like Freddy. yeah it's it's so it's just so ridiculous um yeah. and it's especially jarring to see it just come out of this like cute little doll <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah this is a very it's a very good scene and it's it, the execution is just pretty spot spot on. This is yeah. to me this um, the first. This is almost like the first half. Uh, we're like mm-hmm. into the pretty deep into the second act right now, and up right. to this point, I think is just like textbook, absolutely perfect suspense building for a mm-hmm. horror movie. Um, I, I just so too. the battery the battery thing. Hundred uh, percent did not see it coming. And it kind of like connects, it connected dots in my, in my head, uh, as well as in the character's head. And I think it was, I just thought it was a really like fun choice. Um, I think so too. Yeah. And it, and it gives like, it's, it's pretty good storytelling. Like it's, right. uh, it, it also sets up the rules of Chucky a little bit for us we're like okay well he doesn't need batteries to operate like he can op he operates outside of like he's not confined to what the doll needs yeah 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 it reinforces that idea that this is like a man embodying a doll um (laughs) (laughs) so so karen runs after chucky and uh, she ends up at the police station where she tells mike uh, what happened and he, he, he doesn't believe her. Um, I mean, I wouldn't believe her either. You know what I mean? Uh, she yeah. shows him this, this like uh, wound that she has uh, and he's skeptical. Um, so Mike drives home and I love this scene too, where Chucky turns up in the backseat of Mike's car yes. um, and he's like trying to kill Mike while Mike is driving. And these kinds of scenes are always like, so fun to watch because they're all like obviously so expensive to make. Uh-huh. Um, but this one in particular, when Chucky is like stabbing the knife up through the seat at his balls, uh, yeah, yeah. that 
that resonated with me. That was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, I don't even want to picture uh, what that would feel like. It, it it's right. scary as hell. Um, yeah, it's so. It, I mean, I hate to use this word, but it's so visceral. It really like, just, is. Yeah, the the thought of the knife connecting, like that right. blow actually it makes connecting, you think is... of it without actually <laughs> yeah. having to see it, which is yeah. what I think is so great about it. Uh, um, so. <laughs> I know we're on like a little bit of a, a time crunch here, but we're uh, we're uh, not too far to the end. Um, no, we're not too far. Yeah. So Chucky visits John Bishop, which is the uh, the voodoo instructor. Um, Bokor is what they call him, which is uh, basically a voodoo witch for hire. Yeah. Um, so John, uh, what, this is ahead. where the this is where the plot of Chucky's falls falls uh, a little bit apart for me i think all the voodoo stuff is uh yeah even though I it's think... very it's very of a time but it's also like wait he's a john bishop is a former he's a former voodoo instructor for hire <laughs> you know like a, a lot of the details yeah, i'm like okay you could have you could have streamlined this easily <laughs> why does he have to be a former voodoo instructor why can't he just be <laughs> <Yeah>. a current <laughs> one um <laughs> But, uh, so John, and I think, I think this scene was intended to kind of do the opposite and tie things together a little bit, but John says mm-hmm. that the longer Chucky stays in the doll, the more human he becomes, um, which we kind of right. see as things, as time goes on. Um, after John refuses to help Chucky, uh, claiming Chucky has perverted the voodoo religion, Chucky mm-hmm. tortures John with a voodoo doll. Um, and this had me, uh, come up with what I'm going to say is the greatest band name of all time. Tell me what you think of this voodoo leg break. Yes. Oh, that's (laughs) great. Yeah. 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 Voodoo leg break is, it it, it also feels very, uh, mid to late (laughs) nineties. Yeah. 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 I could see them opening for like the Jesus and Mary chain or something. The Jesus and Mary chain. Is (laughs) that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Dinosaur Jr. or something like that. Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. John reveals the solution after a little bit of torture. Uh, and the solution is to transfer Chucky's soul to the first human that told that he told he was alive, which is Andy. Um, so, mm-hmm. Chucky murders John, uh, flees the scene. Karen and Mike show up. Uh, and before John dies... Uh, he tells them that Chucky is a doll. His heart is fully human and at this point is vulnerable to fatal injury. So a lot yeah. to take in in that, in that moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it, it is confusing, right? Because you think like, okay, so his soul went into Chucky in, in sort of like, then they're using voodoo dolls and like what we know and like what pop culture already knows about voodoo dolls. They're like mm-hmm. playing fast and loose with those rules to sort yes. of just justify Chucky. But I don't know why it seems like an obsession on the production side, especially knowing what we know now about uh, David Kirshner and like what he his original plans were for Chucky. There's a little bit of a of an obsession with him having to have real organs and real blood. Yeah, and it's 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 first of all, it's definitely not necessary. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make it, any sense, uh, yeah, technically speaking. But 
I kind of like the thing of him like becoming more and more human over time. I think that's. I I, I think I do too. Yeah, I, I I think I I think I like it too. I, it is, but it's very. Uh, you you feel the threads of it start to kind yeah. of get wild at this point. Yeah, like you gotta starting suspend to suspend the disbelief at this franchise yeah. a little bit. And you're suspending disbelief at a neck breaking pace at this point in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. I would <laughs> yeah, agree you're with like, that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, I was thinking about this. I think at a certain point, it kind of doesn't matter uh, why Chucky is the way he is. <laughs> it, um, it doesn't and, at all. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see that as the franchise goes on. Um, yeah. But continuing along, uh, we're at the hospital and Andy tries to escape from Chucky. Doctor finds him in the surgery room, attempts to subdue him before Chucky kills him with an electroshock machine, which was cool. Yeah. Um, uh, for Dr. Ardmore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Andy runs home, followed by Chucky, <laughs> who knocks him unconscious. Uh, before, Ooh. So Chucky's about to possess Andy. Uh, mm. just, a, just in time, Karen and Mike arrive. Um, Chucky attacks Mike with a baseball bat and tosses and Karen tosses him in the fireplace. So yeah. we see, he nails him in the head with that bat. Yeah. Too, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and there's that really fun, uh, knife through the door scene. Do you remember that? That, that a little shot? bit. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, anytime where that's another thing in horror movies too, where there's like a knife stabbing through something and you're seeing the other side of it. That's mm-hmm. always very scary. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then uh, Karen tosses Chucky in the fireplace. We now we're uh, transitioning to burnt up Chucky, which I gotta say, quite badass. Oh, very cool, very great character design choices in this. Yeah, burned up Chucky's great. Uh huh. And, and I think at this point now his face is perpetually <laughs> stuck in that in that like classic Chucky face where he no longer yeah. really looks like the doll, and he looks like like a weird hybrid of the man and the doll. Right. Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. Uh, and he's, uh, he gets dismembered a little bit, uh, Uh from Karen shooting a gun at him. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually he kind of stops moving. So at this point, Jack Santos arrives and this Mm -hmm. is, this guy's entrance is kind of funny to me because he's just kind of like a very like dudely, uh, kind of guy like average Joe guy that just shows up and like believes nothing about mm. what is what they're telling him is happening, and he kind of like he like brings Chucky's head into uh, the room where uh, where the others are, where Karen and yeah. Andy and them are, mm-hmm. and uh, Chucky like strangles it. Chucky's like disembodied burnt arm like comes through the wall and strangles him. Yes. Uh, which at this point we're like totally throwing every uh, element of like disbelief out the window. <laughs> like, this makes yeah. no sense at all, but I loved it. Yeah. It's sort of like he's just able to manipulate the atoms of this doll willy nilly as 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 he sees fit. So he doesn't even have to be a complete whole Chucky doll anymore. He can be, you know, you can throw his arms to the other opposite ends of the earth and they will meet up in the middle. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
So during this struggle, Chucky is finally shot in the head and killed. Uh, and we get this line from Andy that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Where he says, this is the end, friend. <laughs> uh, which I think is so badass. So what Chucky says before that is like, I thought we were friends till the end. And he's like, yeah. this is the end, friend. Real it's badass great. stuff. I love that they, they come up with a saying only to subvert that saying later on in the film. It's uh, exactly. it, it's an old writer's trick. It is. <laughs> and it's executed perfectly. Um, yeah. So the others leave and Andy takes a moment to stare at Chucky's corpse before shutting the door. And we get this freeze frame. And uh, Jeremy, I want to know, what's your interpretation of this ending? I mean, it, it seems like, and I don't, I don't know if this was a, a popular filmmaking. I, th- I think it's definitely more popular now. But the idea of like setting up your universe or setting up that there are going to be sequels yeah. to your to your film, yeah. like with with the end. I, I think that like Back to the Future definitely did some of that, and uh, I think famously, what uh, Carrie was. Uh, was the film where at the end like her hand pops through the grave right oh yeah maybe that was carrie i haven't seen carrie in forever you might be yeah i think carrie is like where at the end of the film like they're putting flowers on her grave and her Mm. and her hand pops up and grabs okay grabs the arm yeah and i think that that's uh yeah it's basically just like oh we we're giving ourselves license to do sequels here if we want. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, that's that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I picked up on too. Um, and obviously, like the just the idea from what we know, from what we learned from John, the voodoo, uh, the like former voodoo instructor. Uh, we learned that you know Chucky is can transfer, or Charles Lee Ray can transfer to um, Andy. So that's what I kind of interpret this as as being um as like charles lee ray is sort of embodying andy now oh so you think he's in andy now at this point i think so right very cool yeah yeah yeah. i i have seen i think all of these movies and i remember so little because it's been like since i was a teenager um but i think that's i think that's what's going on right because chucky is in his current state at the end of this movie he is in pieces and also burnt yeah well, so I guess I will have to wait for the the formidable follow up to Child's Play, Hell Child's yeah. Play Two, and to kind of find out what happens, podcast. and the follow up to this podcast, Episode Two. Uh, I guess we'll have to we'll have to wait till then to find out exactly, you know, uh, uh, what's the deal with Chucky. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess this this ending does kind of lead you to believe that. Yeah, now Andy is is the new Chucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, real quick, I know you're about to head to a, a, a Dodger game. Freaking, a Dodger game. Freaking sports head <laughs> over here. Uh, so, how scared were you? Uh, like, this most recent rewatch of this movie, how scared were you? I, I think I think it's way less about being scared and okay. I, I think I was I, I think I was probably 
You know, if 10 is the most scared I've ever mm-hmm. been in my life, I was probably at about a four. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, though, for being like, yeah. I, I'm about the same and we're we're both in our 30s, you know? Yes. <laughs> uh, and this is a movie that's yeah. 30 years old. I think that's yeah. I think that's actually good. Um, and what would you what would you uh, I would like as we kind of go on to uh, cover the other installments to like rank them as we go. But Give me like a like on a scale of one to five, just like as as a movie, uh, five being the best. How do you feel? Oh, about uh, th- this is this is a five for me. Yeah, and and I feel like I I don't I I I can't really speak to the rest of the series yet. So I don't know if they I don't know if like they get better before they get worse. If they ever get worse, or if they just maybe get campier and more fun. But I know yeah. that this this for me works as a horror film first and foremost mm-hmm. and uh it's sort of like i guess how it's it feels like kind of like how evil dead would become more and more comedic as iterations of it right. appeared yeah. i think that's the same thing with child's play but i yep. i do think that this is this works as a horror uh film just top to bottom I, I, a lot of great choices in here even even some of the wild plot uh doesn't it doesn't bother me at all like it it doesn't really slow anything down um you know i would have made a different choice i think if i was (laughs) making the film than to than to go the john bishop route like i would have given i would have given chucky a little bit of a different priority probably but uh but yeah i mean all the stuff with andy works for me i i think i think uh the fear of child death is like so such a powerful tool. Like we see the uh, Steven Spielberg uses it in Jurassic Park. Poltergeist uses it, but it's just like everything is so much more heightened when you have a kid yep. involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I would agree yeah. with all of that. I think I would give this movie like in terms of horror movies, I would give this movie a five too. Um, maybe if I was going to go like a four and a half or a four, it would be because of the. Um, because of the the third act, I think it's like uh-huh. uh, I think it gets a little like Looney Tunes after a certain point. <laughs> yeah. But that's also something you have to like kind of um, shrug off in these types of movies. You know what I mean? Like this movie isn't oh, yeah. like designed to be scientifically accurate in any way. It's just designed <laughs> right. to scare you. And the fact yeah. that I could even be a little bit terrified watching, you know, the scene where, she, where Maggie's like wandering through the halls, like, you know, tw- like 20 years after I've first seen this movie, like that's, that's a testament to like how well it was done. So, um, absolutely. I yeah. Enjoy I, it. I totally agree. I so, totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy enjoy the Dodgers game. And, uh, just one thing <laughs> before you go, uh, huh. This is the end friend. Ha <laughs> ha